Folks, if you're liking what you're getting from 30MPC, the number one way you can support us is by subscribing to our newsletter. Every week, you only get two emails. On Monday, you get a content roll-up of everything that dropped last week. And on Fridays, I pick one topic and I personally write a deep dive on things like how to cold call, how to run a discovery call, or even how to hire an AE. So if you're liking what you're getting here, take two seconds, go to the show notes. You'll see a button to subscribe to our newsletter, or you can go to 30mpc.com backslash newsletter and do it there. We'll catch you soon. Cheers. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Farouk, and I'm here with my co-host, Nick Sigalski. And today, we have a wonderful colleague of a previous guest, Mr. Miles Kane. It's actually Mr. Evan Cassidy, a senior director of mid-market and growth expansion sales. Nick, why should people listen? I'm thinking about one of the biggest palms are sweaty, knees weak moments in sales. And it's when you've had a good discovery call, a good demo with your champion, maybe you've met some of their team, and now you're walking into that 30-minute meeting with the CXO, the big exec, and you've got to nail this because if you don't, it breaks your deal. If you do, it makes your deal. So hold on to your spaghetti. This is a fun one. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration cheat code is brought to you by Pipedrive, which is a CRM built by sellers for sellers. The best way to drive your pipeline forward is to every single day pull up a list of all of your open opportunities and look at each opportunity by stage and think, what can I do today that will increase my likelihood of winning this deal? That's how you keep your ops moving forward in between meetings that you have on the calendar. Now, we documented five cheat codes that can help you cut your sales cycle in half with Pipedrive. There's a link in the show notes to steal them. Your Zoom Info actionable insight tactic is called Jane's Moving Up. Why? Because that's the email subject line you'll use when you get a real-time notice that your prospect Jane just got promoted. From there in the email, explain how ZoomInfo helps rising sales leaders win their first 90 days on the job by highlighting coaching opportunities or supporting a team-wide prospecting push. And you can try out this trigger-based email template for prospect promotion and four other scenarios inspired by ZoomInfo's go-to-market plays. Link in the show notes. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. Obsessive checking of your inbox is a total waste of time and brain power. Instead, commit to checking your inbox and responding to email at set times throughout the day. I'm a fan of Boomerang's pause inbox function to keep myself from getting distracted by my inbox. Now, we documented our best templates and tools to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang, and you can get that for free at the link in the show notes. Today's show is brought to you by Exactly Forecasting, which is a flexible sales forecasting solution that uses AI and data to help you call an accurate sales forecast. Gartner says over half of sales leaders don't have high confidence in their forecast. One way we recommend to improve your forecast is to align as a team on explicit attributes that must be true in order to deem a deal forecastable. That way your forecast will get clearer and the team will know where to focus efforts. We put together a forecasting 101 guide with our friends at Exactly. Get it for free in the show notes. 
All right, Evan, welcome to the show. We start every single episode with your top three actionable takeaways. So let's get your three. Awesome. So number one is the value hypothesis. And so what this is, is before your next discovery call, when you do your research on the company, you know, executives, write down the top three focus areas for that company at this moment and where your product can help either like solve challenges or help companies in those three areas. What this is going to help you do is understand where to guide that discovery conversation to where you can have the most impact. An example of this could look like, you know, from the drift side would look like this. In preparation for the call, I noticed your company is using, uh, use the recent funding round to grow sales headcount, expand internationally and improve your customer experience. That's great because we've helped customers like Okta, Workday, ServiceNow do exactly that. I'm curious, which of those three is your team most focused on and why? Beautiful. What's number two, Evan? Number two is the three-minute executive demo. We all know getting time to executives is super difficult, and they don't love talking to salespeople. And so what's an easy way for you to warm up an executive before a conversation if you haven't actually talked to them before? Uh, we love using video for that. And so if we have that conversation happening, what we'll do, an example of that will look like this. Hey, Mr. CMO, really excited to speak with you in our meeting on Wednesday. I know we have personally haven't spoken yet, so I wanted to send a quick video outlining what the plan is for the call, what value we've discussed with the team and how that product actually works, and how our solution is going to uh, align to your key initiative of reducing inbound touches of pipeline by 50%. Very nice. What's number three, Evan? Round us out. Number three is uh, the executive team sell. And what this is, you know, most of us at startups, we're trying to sell mid-market enterprise companies. A lot of times your executives, CEO, head of, you know, VP of sales, CMO, they want to help you close deals, but they don't necessarily always know the best way to how to get involved into a deal. And I think a lot of times reps are, don't exactly know, hey, when should I bring an executive? Or uh, they might be frankly, afraid about the ability of having an executive having eyes on their deal. And so this is just a very easy tactic that you can use mid, uh, mid-stage mid deal where you have a great champion, but you're trying to get higher in the deal. Just craft a quick email for your CEO or again, CMO to send literally like, here's the CEO's email address. Here's the CMO's email address. Here's a draft copy of what you can send. And a, a copy of email can look like this. Uh, Shannon, it's come to my attention. Our teams are talking. I wanted to send a quick note to you directly so you have access to me in case you need anything. We're excited about the opportunity to partner with you, with your team, and I'm happy to chat through any best practices you have. That's it. All right, Evan. So let's zoom in on this exec call. Maybe you've done a discovery call. You've done a 60-minute demo. Maybe you've even done a demo for the team. And now what you need to do is you need to boil this up in a 30-minute meeting to an executive. How do you structure that call? So I think there's a few ways you structure that call. One is that doing research on the persona and the person that you're talking to is really important. You should know exactly what they care about before you hop on that call. One tactic you can do to get that is do a champion pre-call before that executive conversation. That's super important in order to kind of get in the same page with what you're going to cover in that call and make sure that what you're going to talk about is really going to land with what matters to that. In our case, like what matters to the CMO. And so one way you can structure it is having that executive summary ready and kind of leading with what you see about what's happening in the business and the executive summary of 
what, what are the kind of the three things very similar to the value hypothesis value hypothesis just kind of focus more on like discovery but executive summary of what you've discussed with the team so far what impact you think you, you can have and have that like really a one slide of like what that executive summary is of those three areas the other key tactic that i've seen work really well is once you describe that executive summary go to the cmo engage them early and say what were you hoping to get out of the call today and what you what do you want to personally focus on and typically the cmo will tell you like well, here's the one thing I want to talk about. And because you're talking to your executive, you have to make sure you address that one thing and you spend time there. Because once you do that, what typically happens is they're going to start to open up about all the other things that you're kind of curious to learn about. And so when I think about structure, a lot of it is preparation with your champion. What, what do they think is going to be important? They're going to help you with that executive summary. Have that executive summary ready so that you can kind of kick off the call with that executive summary of here are the boom, 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 here are the things that we're going to chat about. And then make sure you ask the CMO directly, what were you hoping to get out of the call today and what's most important to you? And shut up. Evan, I guess one consideration that I have in one of these calls where it's like, okay, it's the first time that I'm meeting the CMO. I've done a ton of work with the team, but now I've got this person for 30 minutes. And if I botch these 30 minutes, Deal's probably dead. If I nail these 30 minutes, okay, this we've got a good shot at this. So I've got to be on my A game. I see an advantage to getting intimately familiar with what that CXO really cares about. Meaning if I sit down with Armand and I have a 30 minute great discovery call where I like deeply know what he cares about, okay, I can probably use that to win the deal. But if I only do discovery in that 30 minute meeting and Armand's like, wow, I like that was a great therapy session, but I have no idea what this company does. I've, I've probably dropped the baby a little bit there. So I guess like, how do I strike a balance there? What's your sense on that? I think we've all been on those calls where you hop in with the CXO and they're like, just show me the product. Like, I don't want to hear the whole thing. I don't want to hear about what you guys do. I don't want to hear why you're better than competitors. Like CMOs love validation, right? So you got to talk about, Hey, for example, here's what the Octa CMO like thought this was really powerful of how they use this functionality of Drift, right? And start to kind of like talk about other people like them and how they've gotten value out of certain parts of the product. That typically gets them to open up a little bit. So I think validation from peers as you show the product of like, hey, this product helped this person do this is going to help them open up. And then you have to you have to be good enough to do that and then ask questions about discovery. So an example of that would, would look like this. So if I was demoing Drift, I would say, hey, you know, for example, we have the Octa CMO, their team is using Drift AI. They've been able to use this functionality, as you can see here, to kind of like, you know, scale revenue without uh, needing to like overhire sales headcount. Just kind of curious, most CMOs we talk to are really working really closely to the CRO. Like, how are you thinking about how to scale revenue in a way that's that's super efficient over the next year? So show the product, make sure you have validation, and then use that as a way to kind of earn the right to ask a question of something that is important for you to understand or something that you think is going to be important for them to key in on of like, hey, this is going to tie back to this initiative that, that you all are focused on. So Evan, I'm, I'm curious, when we talk about this demo, or frankly, this entire call, one of the unique challenges that you might have at Drift is a lot of people think of Drift and they think, oh, it's an awesome chat bot. And you guys do way more than that. But the reality is a lot of CMOs might jump on that call thinking, oh, I know Drift. It's a chatbot. Here we go. What are you doing in this call to repaint the vision of what Drift is and expand the horizons early on in that call so you don't get pigeonholed in the, the chatbot angle? I mean, frankly, it's something that we've 
probably had to, as reps, you've had to kind of had discussions about for, for years. One of the best ways you, you have to combat that is you got to expand people's horizons of like what they think about your product, right? I think a lot of people think a product is a point solution and your whole job, a lot of times as a rep is like, you're trying to paint, how, how do you expand and think bigger about what, what your product can do? And so I think if you get that, like, let's say I got that objection, like we're on a call, so I was like, yeah, Drift, I know you guys do. I think one easy tactic is like, oh, great. Like when's the last time you, like you saw a demo Drift? Uh, when's the last time you had a, you had a conversation with a, with a salesperson at Drift? So those are two things of just like, okay, what's the context here? Like, are they talking about like, hey, I just talked to someone last week and I know what Drift does? Or is this, hey, I talked to Drift three years ago and I, I see you I see you all in this limelight, right? So like that can also give you permission. Let's say it's like, well, I like two years ago. And it's like, okay, well, I totally understand. We definitely need to chat, but a lot's changed in two years. Like, and there's a bunch of, and this is where customer validation is super important. There's a bunch of really best in class customers like Okta, ServiceNow, uh, Workday that are they're using Drift to really transform how their sales teams go to market. And there's a lot of like interesting things that we can get into. So I think kind of being able to understand the context and then frame like, hey, this is a transformational product for companies that deploy it in these ways to kind of give you a sense of like, okay, there's much more we can be doing. Like that is one aspect, but there's way more that goes into it. So let me show you the different areas that we can really impact your go-to-market teams. And then we can kind of check in later to see like, hey, do you still think of us in that way? Or do you see see us in a different light once we've once we've kind of had that conversation? Is that is that fair? You know, Armand, one way that I've heard the question that you ask where people think you're just X or you're just Y addressed before. Sarah Brazier does this really well with the phraseology, my biggest concern. And what she'll do is she sells for gong. And so she'll show up to a meeting and she'll say, hey, my biggest concern coming into a meeting like this is sometimes my marketing team does such a good job promoting like the call recording aspects of what we do. When in reality, there's like 82 different ways that we can affect like GTM teams. And so I guess... I'm hoping that we can just talk about overall what your goals are as a CRO, aside from the stuff that we do related to call recording. And more often than not, we can help with some of those other areas too. And what she's doing is she's calling out the fact that like, hey, yes, we help with this specific thing, but I don't want to just get pigeonholed here. Evan, I want to go to something that you talked about earlier, which was this pre-meeting, you're sending this video and you're doing this because when you've got 30 minutes with an executive, getting an extra five to communicate some information with that pre-meeting video can be really, really powerful. And so a question that I have for you is in between meetings, before and after, what sort of information are you communicating with the customer? And are there other mediums through which you're communicating? It sounds like video is one of them. I imagine you're like messaging with people on apps. Like I'm curious what sort of in-between meetings looks like for you. There's so many different ways that you communicate. So I think in-between meetings, I think about it a few different ways. So video is definitely one. We use Drift a lot ourselves to communicate with our customers. So there's a bunch of different things from video to meetings, chat. There are, there are ways that we can communicate uh, with our customers. LinkedIn's a big one. So if you want to get multi-threaded, like who are the people that I haven't talked to yet that I go I need to talk to? And one simple tactic I'll do is like, let's say there's people on the sales team I haven't talked to yet. I literally will just connect with them on LinkedIn and send them a drift video about like maybe a conversation and help them. And that's a really easy way to get multi-threaded. It also... I think one of the neat things about being in MarTech is like you can show people how they can use your product. 
And that's like one of the probably most fun parts about working at Drift is like, I can send them that. And then they're like, I could be doing that. <laughs> you know, like I could be using that as a way to get wider in my deal. So it's like, you're, you're showing them how to do it while you're actually using it to help you sell your deal. So that LinkedIn video tactic is one we use all the time to get wider in our deals and get it and get exposure to more people in the organization. And then Slack's a big one. Slack is something that we've adopted quite a lot as a way to, to communicate. And it's like work texting. That's really all it is. But we use it all the time. And so like I have certain people on the team that have been using Slack and it's helped them close deals way faster than they would have before. And so you do have all these channels. And I think sometimes it can be a little overwhelming. Okay, great. I have like four or five different things. Like which one should I focus on? I think that's maybe not the best way to think about it. It's just, okay, great. Like where am I in the deal? What do I need? Right. Do I need to get higher or do I need to get wider in the deal? And then what are the different ways I can do it, whether it's LinkedIn, whether it's Slack or using like video and things like that to kind of get wider in the organization. So I think I, like, I'm a big believer. Like I come in every day, like what, how am I moving this deal today? And so a lot of times that's going to be those different digital channels. And then the other part of it is research, right? So you got to be looking at that company every single day. What's happening? What movement is there? Are people posting about certain things on LinkedIn that I saw that's really interesting? Uh, are there similar customers? Uh, is there like a CMO that I sold to before that is super happy with Drift? And like, how do I get that validation in front of them? Just little things. I think we all, a lot of us learned this from Dave Gerhardt when he was head of marketing at Drift. It was just like, give, give, give. And so like, give people value in those little ways of like how validation can help them, how someone else is really successful with the product and just keep doing that. And those types of things can typically accelerate your deal, you know, pretty quickly. One rule of thumb that I always have is after that first discovery call and that first deep dive with my champion, at that point, my champion should usually be bought into the deal. And usually what I'll do is I'll be like, Hey, so we can prep prior to that executive call. Let me get your number so we can get on text. But I actually think that's the perfect time to be like, hey, are you on Slack? And then from there, I can actually keep the Slack thread open the entire time in the sales cycle and then start adding people as they get added to the sales cycle to that Slack thread. So I'm curious, is, is that how you're using it? Is that the best time to do it? Or are there other times where you're popping open the Slack channel? So that's a big one. On, on the expansion side, you have the discovery call great opportunity to get right into Slack. And then where we saw it work really well from like the, the net new side is we were running pilots or even just like running an enterprise sales cycle because it can take six to nine months, getting your deal team into Slack with their team to start communicating and talking about different things they are trying to kind of work on is, is a big part of that. And so we, we've done that a lot too, to help like, uh, especially as you get to like that mid stage, like, Hey, we think we're going to do this. Let's make sure that we've scoped everything out technically. And then, the, the last part of where we seem to be super helpful is on the paperwork side, right? Which is like, hey, like legal security, all this stuff that needs to get done. Like, like they can add, like you said, they, they'll add people into Slack, like a lawyer into Slack or a security person into Slack where you can then help them make sure that they get all the documents and things that they need. And so those are all ways that you can really accelerate your deal from like, and, and just using a, a simple digital channel to kind of like work the deal in between the meetings is such a critical skill set in enterprise. And, like Slack is a great way to do it. Evan, I actually want to go back to something that you mentioned just before that, which is this concept of using Slack in your red line process or in your legal and security reviews. And one mistake that I've seen reps who are selling mid-market and enterprise for the first time make is they get to the 15th of the month. They need to close the deal by the end of the month. It gets to legal. They send the MSA and they're like, all right, we're good. 
it's illegal, right? It's illegal. It's fine. And I told them it needs to get done by the end of the month. They said it should be fine. And the next thing you know, the first cuts come back on the 29th and it's an entire page of red. And so what are things that you're doing in the legal process the moment it starts or even before it starts to make sure that that thing moves on time and fast? Yeah. So it's funny because my wife's actually the in-house attorney. So we have a lot of interesting conversations in the household about legal working with salespeople. So the the biggest thing is always like a work rec plan. You have to have a work rec plan in place with your with your champion and with your your economic buyer. So like what are the things that you want to get done by when, right? And it always should be tied back to value, not like when the deal closes, right? Mm-hmm. It's like that's that's a you thing. Like when do they see the value? Work back from like achieving the goals they want to achieve, and then use that as a way to work backwards so that there's motivation for them to do it. And so why the work rec plan matters when it comes to legal is that's you project managing the deal and kind of having that agreement of like, hey, we need to get legal done by this date in order to get the contract signed, which is going to enable you to get into onboarding, which is going to enable you to see the ROI from the product by X date, right? So just having that plan in place, I think is super important. That's one that like keeps you in line. Getting intro to legal personally is always a good one, right? So make sure they're on the thread with your counsel that you can hammer out any questions. We do that all the time. You know, making sure that, you understand if the bandwidth of the legal team and where they're at, and then also understanding, you know, has this person a contact on legal or are they just like one of many people screaming to get to go buy some software that legal team might ignore. So those are all things that you kind of want to vet out to understand, like what is the likelihood of this getting done and what can I do to kind of make sure that I'm dotting my I's and crossing my T's with my leadership team of like how I'm forecasting this deal. Well, you're right. It moves way faster when you actually have the person redlining the contract involved in the thread. It slows it down when you have Armand sitting as the middleman where you're like, here's my red lines. And then he goes and takes it to your wife to go redline it and review. And then she gives it to Armand. It's best when you can get everyone to communicate together. And sometimes that's not as obvious to like your champion because they might not buy stuff all the time. And so I believe it's your responsibility as a salesperson to one, suggest, hey, this will be way less painful if we can get my legal team and your legal team on a 32 minute call together, we'll get this whole thing done and save ourselves 800 emails. One thing that I did recently, I got a brutal red line sent to me and on the Word document that I got, the name of the attorney was there as like comments and so I could see her name. Even though I didn't know who it was before, I saw her name and I was able to figure out her email format and add her to the thread. And the way that I consider that, it's like, look, I know her name, she sent me some red lines through this person, I'm going to like get her email format and add her to the thread. And that's how I involved her in the conversation. So Armand, is there anything you do to sort of speed things up at the 15th? Yeah, Evan, one of the things that you mentioned really resonates is this work back plan is you need to start with the goal they want to achieve, work it back through implementation. But then again, the line item on your work back plan cannot just be legal. I will actually break down the parts of legal into that work back plan. And so usually what it looks like is I'll actually break down, okay, we're going to send you the MSA on this date. You're going to give us first cuts back by this date. We're going to return first cuts back by this date. And then after that, if there are more cuts, we're going to jump on a call. And I'll actually space out all of those things. And my favorite question to ask, Evan, to your point around, you need to figure out if they've done this thing before. My favorite question to ask someone going into legal is, hey, when, when you've bought stuff in the past, 
typically like, how long does it take them to get the first cut back? And you can learn a lot by someone's answer. If you get a lot of, uh, I don't know, or I, I think they're pretty, you know, they tend to not be super bad on the legal side. If you get fuzzy answers like that, now what I need to do is educate them on how legal usually goes and be like, hey, what I need you to tell your legal team to do is get first cuts back by this time. Because if they don't, I know how this thing goes. And I promise you, this is going to kick out your implementation, which is going to make you miss that business goal. And it happens all the time. It's it's so critical tying it back to to the value, right? I think if if you have something aligned to value and to business initiatives, that's where legal is typically the most motivated. So that that's going back to the point we've talked a lot about how to sell to executives on calls, why it's important to get them involved in deals, and, and this is actually another perfect example of having an executive involved in your legal conversations is is super key because. That's another thing that can actually help you accelerate the deal or they can send that email or you can make sure they lean on legal to actually get something done. If it's a core, again, if it's tied to a core initiative and that's why everything we've talked about, about building with value and uh, and making sure that, that the executive is clear on that is super important because as it gets down to crunch time, that's where uh, they can really lean in and help you get the deal done. Evan, this has been a fun one. We are running out of time and we got to move to the final question. The final question is this. We've talked about a lot of really great things salespeople should be doing. Let's now talk about a shouldn't. And so the last question is, what is one bad habit that you see a lot of salespeople exhibiting that you think they need to break because it hurts them more than it helps? It's always talking about the product before you understand what business challenges they actually have. And so like show before you understand. I think that's always that's always a tough one because once you start doing that, it's a really slippery slope in terms of the conversation flows by, you go through a discovery call, you haven't actually learned anything about like what they're actually trying to solve and what's important to them. And then you get out of the conversation. I think a lot of people still tend to, you find someone that's super excited about the product and they want to learn about something. And it's, it's really easy to get caught up emotionally in those things. And it's hard to kind of take a step back and just be like, wait a second, like, why are you asking that question? Why is this actually important to you? And so understanding why things are important before you talk about the product is really key. Beautiful. Evan, thank you so much for joining us. Everybody stick around for a 60-second recap coming up soon. Otter AI's Otter Pilot for Sales gives you the freedom to sell on your discovery calls by taking notes for you. One of the best ways to deepen your discovery is to ask your prospect about the impetus behind their goals. So when a prospect tells me they want to advertise on more sales podcasts, I'll say, well, it's not every day that you wake up and decide you want to sponsor a podcast. What's causing you to even explore this in the first place? Now, we put together the ultimate discovery checklist with our friends at Otter AI, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes. Here's my secret to being a sales superhuman. It's auto reminders for everything. If I expect any reply from a prospect, I press command H and superhuman pops it right back into my inbox if I don't get a reply in two days. That means if you handle an objection, if you suggest times for a meeting, or if you ask for cuts back on red lines, always create a two-day reminder task and assume they will not reply. So if you want to follow up on time every time, you can get a free month of superhuman by checking it out in the show notes. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Woodpecker. When you're sending a sales email, you generally want to avoid putting punctuation in the subject line. If you've got an exclamation point, it makes it seem like you're shouting at them. Look at this amazing offer. And a question mark just smells salesy. So avoid punctuation. Now, if you want to steal my full sales cadence from my friends at Woodpecker, there's a link in the show notes for you to go get it and try it for free. 
Your top four takeaways from this episode with Evan Cassidy include, number one, before any executive presentation, make sure you have a pre-call prep with your champion. Number two, that's a great time to pop open a Slack channel with your champion and also get on a text basis. Number three, when you get onto that executive call, start with the priorities up front and ask them, what do you think? Do you align with that? And then do demo discovery along the way. And then lastly, number four, whenever you're entering legal, make sure you have a work back plan and lead that work back plan with the goal that they want to accomplish and create micro milestones from there for every step of vendor review. All righty, Nick, how could people help us out? So Armand, when I was a boy, I did not buy lunch at school. I brought lunch from home and my mom would pack me this nice lunch of leftover Chef Boyardee from the night before in my lunch box. And we have a similar box, not filled with spaghetti, but filled with all of our tactic teardowns, our battle cards, and some other goodies from 30 Minutes to President's Club. So if you want to steal Armand's email template, if you want to steal my cold call scripts, if you want to get our mutual action plans, go to 30mpc.com and click on the toolbox. No spaghetti, but I promise there's some other good stuff. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on the show. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. Obsessive checking of your inbox is a total waste of time and brain power. Instead, commit to checking your inbox and responding to email at set times throughout the day. I'm a fan of Boomerang's pause inbox function to keep myself from getting distracted by my inbox. Now, we documented our best templates and tools to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang, and you can get that for free at the link in the show notes. Today's show is brought to you by Exactly Forecasting, which is a flexible sales forecasting solution that uses AI and data to help you call an accurate sales forecast. Gartner says over half of sales leaders don't have high confidence in their forecast. One way we recommend to improve your forecast is to align as a team on explicit attributes that must be true in order to deem a deal forecastable. That way your forecast will get clearer and the team will know where to focus efforts. We put together a forecasting 101 guide with our friends at Exactly. Get it for free in the show notes.